All right. Welcome, everyone. And uh, as of this recording, a happy 4th of July. Happy 4th, everybody. So there is a good possibility that there will be fireworks in the background because in my neighborhood, there's already been some people shooting off some firecrackers. So um, a lot of uh, explosive stuff and a lot of explosive stuff going on in uh, the world of wrestling. And uh, per the name of the show, I think a lot of it's been pretty positive. Uh, would you agree, Josh? Yeah, it's been a it's been a very positive week. Uh, a lot of good things happening. Uh, so we got a little ground to cover. Uh, we we try to do this every week, but life kind of happens, holidays and things like this. And this is kind of a passion project. So if we miss a week, we appreciate everyone listening. But uh, have no fear, we will kind of catch up and uh pick up where we left off and i think uh, a good place to start would be stomping grounds have uh have you seen the show i didn't get to watch this one um had to work the next day so i didn't even bother turning it on i heard it was a pretty good show though i uh actually after we got done recording because that was uh the last episode we actually recorded that evening of stomping grounds after we got done recording i i was able to pick it up uh the ricochet and joe match and that uh that was a hell of a match um and i was hoping they would give it time they did uh, i like what they're doing with both guys uh we'll get to that in just a moment um I, it, it really was a good show um not a lot to nitpick or complain about. Uh, I mean, I've, I've heard various people talk about uh, the the main event. And, you know, honestly, it, it was... I thought, I thought it was kind of clever having Lacey Evans out there. Uh, I, I honestly didn't see that coming. Um, maybe I'm naive or maybe I got worked. I don't know. Um. So so we'll just transition on uh, and, and kind of hit some high spots there, and we'll transition on into uh, the Raw and the SmackDown. And I think, for the most part, I, I know we've texted back and forth. I think for the most part, uh, the past three weeks, especially the last two weeks of Raw, especially Raw, has been pretty darn solid. Yeah, yeah, they've they've been doing pretty good. Um. It's kind of, I guess it's kind of a wave. It, they took a few weeks where it was getting kind of rough, you know, and then it, it's come kind of come back on an upswing, especially with this past week. Yeah, th- this past week um, was one of the more solid Raws uh, in, in quite a while. Um, and... I, I guess I, I know you've taken some notes for the past couple weeks. Uh, what what has stood out uh, to you in your notes that that have made these past couple weeks of Raws just unusually solid? Uh, well, I hate to jump straight into it, but uh, I mean you, you can't overlook the opening of this week's show. Yeah, the um, the stage, the whole stage gimmick, and all that. And, uh, I, it took everybody by surprise and definitely got everybody's attention. I think that was probably the meaning of them doing it. You know, it was kind of 
the show starts off and it's just something that's you know just immediately smacks you right in the face, gets you to pay attention to what's going on. Yep. Um, different than what had been going on. Um, uh, I think Corey Graves' expression uh, kind of summed it up for everybody. I'm not going to repeat it here. Uh, yeah, that. <laughs> and I actually, it took that took me by surprise. Uh, and since you brought it up, we'll briefly touch on that. Uh, there was that. There was a, a Bobby Lashley promo on SmackDown that was pretty edgy. There was Kofi flipping off Samoa Joe. Um, there's been some little uh, this week, especially, and, and, and scattered out over the past couple weeks, there's been little bits of edginess. I, I don't want to say full-blown attitude era, but I read a report this week, and, and I want to get your thoughts on it, um, that apparently this is by design and that they are going to start transitioning away slightly from the PG product to keep the teenagers that they are fearing are going to go to AEW or, or take their viewership to AEW. So so they're going to get a little more edgy. Uh, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, well, um, I'm kind of a mixed mind on the subject. I mean, I'm, I'm excited because it gives... To me, it, it gives an open door for the stories. You know, um, s- stuff like that can makes it give a little more real feel to it. I mean, like yeah. the, uh, Corey Graves' reaction, and and I don't know. It's just nice when they have that opportunity to, to kind of push the envelope. Um, yeah, I'm not saying really push the envelope all the time because I mean, I, I look at it as the PG thing isn't that bad. I mean, it it is in a way, but if you think back, the Hogan era. I'm pretty sure that probably would have been rated PG as well, and it pulled a lot of us in. Granted, it's a different day and time, but I, just, I don't I don't think they need to go full on attitude. But push no. the envelope every now and then, I think it, it, it works. And you you touched on a really good point there. I, I think it does allow more wiggle room for realistic storytelling. Yeah. Uh, um, a, a little bit more edge to it without just full blown. Uh, blood, guts, gore, bra and panties, matches, all that. We don't need all that. But but if you're if you're going to bring a little edge and a little realism to it, I'm all for it. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, what what else has been standing out to you aside from the tremendous opening? Let's see what else have we got going on here. Um, of course, we've got the uh, the Seth and Becky Lacey. Baron Corbin thing going on. Um, like you said about the stopping grounds thing, I didn't see that coming. Uh, I know some people weren't happy with it, but to me, it was a little, it wasn't really predictable. Um, no. Uh, of course, Seth couldn't have attacked her with the chair like he did everybody else, so it kind of makes sense Corbin would go there. Out. Yep. Um, and and it linked uh, Becky in beautifully. And, and people want it, and like I said, you know, people. Or, or like you said, rather, people have complained about it, weren't happy with it. Well, the, these are your top people right now on both the men's and women's sides. And I've been a uh, slight supporter of Corbin since we started this podcast. I don't think he deserves all the hate he gets. So, you know, I, I perhaps some of it's justified, but the guy's not terrible. So, 
Anyhow, <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of cool that uh, to be two two feuds going into stomping grounds. That I was kind of like, you know, okay, it's about time to blow these off. You know, we need to see something different. But then coming <laughs> out of stomping grounds, I'm actually excited to see the mixed tag. So you know, yeah, they did they did a good job of breathing new life into both stories, in my opinion. And and it gets us to SummerSlam. I think after Extreme Rules, Seth will probably have a. Uh, a bigger program. I'm not sure with whom, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's a good little stopgap to SummerSlam. I think it'll be another decent show. Uh, True. We'll you, just, you don't want to build up, start building something else right now because then you have to cut it short to build into SummerSlam. So uh, we'll go ahead and touch on this since we're just kind of hopping around the past past couple of weeks uh Bray Wyatt uh you know he's not debuted yet but his puppets have so <laughs> I mean what 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 say you on on this little Easter egg dropping in the backstage segments when, when do you see him debuting do you think there's been a clue as to who he's gonna feud with first well I'm kind of mixed minds on that as well um I know there's a, they're also doing the uh, Alistair Black promos, and it's, yeah, it's co- coinciding very well because um, the week that the puppets start showing up is the week that somebody knocks on Alistair Black's door, mm-hmm. and Black throws the challenge out this week, saying, you know, whoever knocked on my door, you know, are you man enough to show up at Extreme Rules? So it could be Bray, and I mean, it would be exciting if it was. I, I'm, yeah, I'm also kind of thinking though. If it wasn't Bray, that's two different stories we could be telling, you know? True. And, so I, I, don't and know, I, I, don't, I don't know which would be the best way to go there. Yeah. If if Bray doesn't debut at Extreme Rules, I think it's got to be the night after Raw, or the night after Extreme Rules on Raw. Um, in kind of a similar fashion to when he originally debuted, I think he'll debut in the middle of July and build up to uh, his big re-debut match at SummerSlam, much like he did against Kane in, was it 2013, I think? Or 2012? Uh, 13, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, 2013. So, uh, you you mentioned uh, the Aleister Black promos. I I think those... I've... (laughs) heard some people complain online about that and i'm like you know really why they're they're oh. doing they're you mean, doing you mean, you mean somebody complained online i know right but I, that's you're, unbelievable <laughs> they're they're doing something with the guy you know it's he really didn't have a, a backstory in in nxt he didn't have a whole lot of a character uh, I, I'm not going to say he was completely characterless, but I don't mind it. It's it's solid stuff what they're doing. Some people, I think, some people look through rose-colored glasses at uh, the Attitude Era. I was watching, and we'll get to this uh, shortly when we cover uh, our more about uh, Bret Hart's heel turn. You know, I've been watching some of the March '97 Raws. There was some yeah. awesome stuff on these. There was also some, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, there was some crap. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
So I, I think we looked back through Rose Colored Glasses a lot of times and just complained to complain. But yet again, I, I'll get off my soapbox. I, I feel like I'm raining, raining this week. I'm, I'm fired up. So, uh, <laughs> oh, no, I, I fully agree. It's uh, Sometimes it's just people got to fuss to fuss about something, even, you know. Uh, so moving on. Uh, we've had we've had a couple solid weeks of uh, TV and in WWE. Um, we we may come. We'll definitely come back to them uh, toward the end of our show to cover some big news that broke uh, late last week. Uh, have you seen or heard anything about AEW's second show? I I didn't see it. Um... I heard it was coming up, but I, I guess I got my date, dates confused because I didn't find out that it was streaming that night until that night, and yeah. I was already kind of into some other stuff. So uh, I when did I, see the Cody <clears throat> chair shot. That's about all I saw of it. That's and and that's the big news coming out of it. Uh, it wasn't a bad show. I don't think it was as good as Double or Nothing, but the the vibe I get is Double or Nothing is going to be. One of their tent pole events, uh, a la Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, one of their big four. I, I think, from what I've read, that's going to be their model. And they're going to have a lot of these little mini shows uh, throughout the year. So, you brought it up. Uh-oh. What was your thoughts on the on the Cody chair shot? Uh, well, I saw the actual shot. I didn't see anything building up to it. I just shot in kind of the... Uh the graphic aftermath, you know, like a still frame picture of his injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there was a mistake in the shot itself. Uh, some people said that he hit him with the wrong area of the chair or whatever. Um, I don't, I'm not a fan of, you know, straight on chair shots, you know, I, I, I know they look vicious because they are vicious, you know, but uh, I hate the, not getting the hands up, no, no protection. It's just not worth it, in my opinion. Um, I don't disagree. I, I watched it live. Uh, I actually, uh, me and uh, our good buddy Michael Tuck. Uh, I've, yes, uh, he's actually taken somewhat of an interest in AEW. He, he's kind of a, a lapsed fan, and he and I both kind of sat up. We were watching the match. And when that happened, we both like sat up and was like, you know, we had the Corey Gray's reaction. Uh, <laughs> so it, it grabbed our attention. Um, and I'm going to be in the minority here. I think, uh, I think in one night, Cody Rhodes put over. Two guys. I did not know who Darby Allen was beforehand. I do now because he done a time limit draw with Cody. I, no. and, and I marked out for a time limit draw. Like that was that was refreshing. Uh so he put over Darby Allen and then with one chair shot, Ty Dillinger, now known as Sean Spears, has more buzz about him than he ever did in WWE. Um True. So, I dug it. I, I think, yes, it was a tremendous risk. Um, 
But to me, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the, the, the right uh, phrasing here. If you're, if you're going to tell stories, um, and it's obvious that Omega is going to be the centerpiece, the Young Bucks are going to be the, the work rate guys, along with Omega. But I think where Cody's going to fit in in this company is telling stories, a la yeah. his dad. I think uh, building to the Chicago show, which is where I see this culminating, something that like that was necessary. And, and I, yet again, going back to the online complaints, I've seen a lot of people bashing it, and this, that, and the other. But then you have people complaining, kind of harkening back to what we said just a few minutes ago about the PG era. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> we, had, we, we had unprotected chair shots and things like that back in the Attitude Era and ECW. And now that we know a little bit more about concussions and CTE, it does make you a little bit more you know, squeamish and kind of turns your stomach. I think if it's done, and, and apparently the chair was gimmicked, no. but and it kind of softened the blow, but it was still kind of a botch because the backing of the chair caught Cody. Either way, I think if it's done very sparingly and as safe as it can be, I don't want to see this again this year, but I think it's going to tell a tremendous story. And if it's done very sparingly, I think it does have a, a really jarring reaction to the audience and helps tell a story. So, um, true, true. <clears throat> overall, though, Fighter Fest, I, I thought it was a decent show. They still have some kinks to work out before they get on TNT. Namely, uh, the music needs to be piped in better. It, it's a little ECW-ish where you just hear it coming through the arena rather than <clears throat> through the main sound feed, if that makes yeah. any sense. Uh, but, uh, I mean, they're still, this is just their second official show. I'm not going to say they're going to take down WWE or I'm not going to say they're going to fold in a year. I, I'm excited. I'm supporting them. And anxious to see where it goes so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where they go with it uh, I can't wait till the weekly television show that, that's probably where I'm going to really jump in on is uh, something where I can see the stories start building a little little more frequently you know on, yeah. on a weekly basis yeah. um, and, it, and it'll be awesome again you know having having two well I, I say you know again having two companies you know I feel like I'm cutting TNA impact short but they just didn't quite you know they didn't have as big of an impact as they could have. No pun intended, or maybe pun intended. I don't know. <laughs> they, they had their time in the sun where I definitely took interest in them. And, you know, when Angle was there, Sting was there, and he was actually still able to work. Uh, of course, they had Styles, Joe, Daniels. They had a tremendous roster at one time. And they, I think they thought they were bigger than what they were. And that caused a lot of mistakes. Um, I, I'm glad they're still around. I'm actually surprised, but more power to them. Um, is there anything else we want to cover 
I, I feel like we've kind of rushed through some stuff, but we will loop back around with some uh, the biggest news of the past couple weeks. Is there anything else we want to cover over the past couple weeks before we jump into Bret Hart? Uh, well, we'll see. I had a few things I wanted to touch on. Um, oh, um, I, I alluded in a text message. That yes. About an yes. odd comparison. Um, okay. So, for the past two weeks, they've been doing these promos backstage with Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm really digging these promos. And, um, okay, they'll start off the promo. One of them will say their piece. You know, they're hanging out backstage. One of them will say their piece with whichever Seth or Becky, depending on, you know, who it is, who they're feuding with, you know. Mm-hmm. And when they get done, the other one kind of chimes in. And um, I, I don't – I think it, it started the first week, but definitely this week. Um, and this is such an odd comparison, but I'm getting this vibe from these promos. Um, and I don't know if it's from the original series or from the movie, but uh, you know when Batman villains – you know you know when two batman villains come together and and they share their plans yeah that is the exact vibe i got from both these promos it was like catwoman and the joker (laughs) coming together and as and as odd and cheesy as that sounds i loved both promos because of that yeah i you know i could certainly see that now that's uh that is an odd comparison, but I can totally see that. It, it's like these two villains that oh. have nothing to do with each other, but they've come together to take out the Batman or the man, I guess, and, and her man. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. That. Uh... So, so be on the lookout this coming week when they do this promo backstage, which I'm sure they will. And you're going to be thinking Batman. I know you are. <laughs> yes. That. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's uh, that's a solid comparison. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, and uh, speaking of Corbin, too, um, did you catch the Lacey-Natalia match from Raw this week? I did. I did. Did you get the heat Corbin got when he tripped Natty? <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. That crowd and- was all over him. And, and that's what I'm saying, man. Like, <laughs> I just, I feel like Corbin, yeah, I don't like his ring attire. Okay. His his entrance music, that's a banger of an entrance song. I love his entrance music. Um, the, the guy's not bad, and I feel like people just want to hate him to hate him. I don't, I'm not like... I don't want to sound like Baron Corbin's my favorite wrestler, but it's just like the same thing with Roman Reigns. People hate him just to hate him. And I'm like, why? Why? What's wrong with him? But anyhow, yeah, that was that was super heat. And uh, not many people can generate that. So true, true. Um, real quick, uh, this just popped in my head. Uh, that's current wrestling over the past couple of weeks. There's been... And now even I don't know all of this. Uh, I've not actually read the tweets, but uh, we've got Seth Rollins and Will Ospreay. Ospreay, uh, sorry for any mispronunciation. Uh, Kenny Omega have all been tweeting back and forth about who has the best wrestling company. Have Have you heard about any of this? 
I I actually have seen a few of these. Uh, Seth had threw something out there about uh, like the best night after night uh, company yeah. or something like that. And Osprey back and they went to a little war. Um, I think since then they both kind of apologized. They have. said they took it a little too far, didn't mean it, you know. Um, but think about the, I mean, I guess the fire of competition's got into them and, you know. But I, I'm. I'm a pro WWE guy. Yeah. Um, I love I love everybody else. You know, I love wrestling. That's the main thing. But, you know, I, I tend to side with WWE, and that's just, you know, I've been a fan, like, of them forever, mm-hmm. you know. And and I got to, even if Seth may have stepped on some toes, I got to applaud him for sticking up for him and his company. You know, they, they get a lot of crap. I, I get the vibe from Seth that he wants to be next John Cena he wants to be in, in the vein that he wants to be the guy he even with or without the title he wants to be the workhorse he he wants the pressure of being the guy that's going to carry the show that's the vibe I get from him even back in the fall when he had the the intercontinental title and he was consistently putting on you know the best matches on the show I, I mean, that's just what I get from him. So it doesn't strike me as odd that uh, he kind of stepped up and said something. So, <clears throat> I, I mean, kudos to him, you know. True, true. Uh, and one more thing. Uh, th- these two quick things kind of popped in my head. Uh, speaking of workhorses, um I said earlier that we would touch on uh, Samoa Joe and Ricochet. Uh, Dug that match stomping grounds. First off, um, I alluded to it just a little bit ago with uh, Kofi flipping off Samoa Joe. I'm actually digging this little feud so far. Kofi and uh, Samoa Joe feuding over the WWE title. Yes. (laughs) I think it's going to be a good match. Uh... And yeah, that's that's right where Joe needs to be. And then Ricochet and AJ Styles are just randomly thrown together, it seems, and it's turning into a banger of a feud. So uh what say you on these two guys? I mean, certainly a a bump up in the card for both guys, and uh, both guys come out of that stomping ground match for the better, right? Oh yeah, it I mean, it, it turned out great. Um, I mean, we're now we're getting the AJ Styles and Rick Shizzle just delivering it week after week. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I'm I assume after the, what happened this past week, that's going to continue on. Um, yeah, we've got the the uh, that that's awesome. That's awesome. And, uh, speaking of which, speaking of the club, they teased Finn Balor and uh, Shinsuke for the Intercontinental Title. Which is kind of one of those, oh, yeah, you know, like, okay, but then this past week, unless I missed it, they just weren't on there. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't see them at all. <laughs> that's a little curious. Like, uh, hopefully, that'll all get straightened out uh, once the new management takes over, and we'll touch on that in a bit. Uh, anything else? You uh- you mentioned, as we, of course, we were talking about the AJ and uh, Ricochet. 
you mentioned Kofi and Joe. Uh, I'm I'm really feeling this one. Um, of course, I was I was excited when Kofi won the belt. I was interested when he feuded with KO, but something was missing there. Uh, then Dolph come into the picture, and although I love Dolph and Kofi matches, still the feud seemed a little off. You know, there's still something missing. But this Joe feud is, I mean, it's hitting on all marks. So. Yeah. Of course, Joe come in last week. Joe come in mad because he lost his belt and attacked Kofi. They didn't really, I don't think they really explained why, other than just, I guess he was mad and he was moving on to uh, the bigger belt, you know. <laughs> I don't, they didn't really explain why he targeted Kofi. Yeah. Um, but it, it was cool him choking out Kofi. You know, he, he made a statement. He's like, you know, you know, he's going after that one now. Um, I think, let's see, they encountered each other on SmackDown too, didn't they, last week? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then we went on into Raw this week, and, and w- this is something I was wanting to talk about. On Raw, they did the um, the tag match. It was, uh, look at their notes here, it was, oh yeah, it started off with New Day and the Viking Raiders, yep. and then Joe shows up and chokes out, uh, or well, I don't know if he choked out Woods, he went after Woods. Kofi come out to make the save. They made it into a six-man. And this, th- th- I actually really enjoyed this. Uh, Joe choked out Kofi. Put him in the Kokina clutch. Kofi passed out and lost the match. You know, the champion lost the match, which is something I normally hate. But I think it was done really well this time because it sets up, you know, okay, Joe's, Joe's choked him out. You know, can he survive the oncoming pay-per-view, you know? So, I like how they did that. I really applaud that one. Yeah, that uh, that certainly made Kofi look a little vulnerable. And before that, I think since he won the title, I, I read a stat where he was twenty-one and zero uh, in just various matches. So now Joe is the one in the twenty-one and one. So <laughs> there's wow, that's a familiar stat. <laughs> something like that. So, uh, uh, but I, I like how they did that, yeah. and the promo from SmackDown. Even without the uh, the flipping him off, was a great great promo between the two, in my opinion. And you know, <sighs> something else I, I want to I got I got to thinking about something. <sighs> we we wanted to yet again, not we as in you and I, but we as wrestling fans, I guess the vast majority have complained about. Uh, people not having anything to do and so on and so forth. You look at the two women's titles. We've we've got two solid feuds going there. We've actually got two pretty solid tag team title feuds. Usos and Revival, Daniel Bryan and Rowan and Heavy Machinery and uh, I think New Day's in there. That's going to be a triple threat. Um, Obviously, we touched on the U.S. title. We've got uh, Rollins and Corbin Kofi and Joe. Seemingly, we have Bauer and uh, Shinsuke. Uh, the women's tag titles, I don't think they've quite figured out yet, uh, although I do love me some Iconics. Um, but I, wh- the point I'm getting to is <sighs> we've got a whole bunch of titles, but I think for the most part, they're finally starting to figure out how to utilize them. We've got stories for a whole lot of people and and I think that's being overlooked here it, it seems like even Nikki Cross she's kind of inserted in there in the uh, uh, Alexa and Bailey feud 
heavy machineries finding their niche. Um, th- there, there's a lot of people that are starting to starting to click. I, I think uh, we get a little impatient sometimes and just want to d- don't want to let things build. True. True. Uh, so <coughs> I guess if there's nothing else, like I said, we'll loop back around. Uh, we can dive into uh, some Bret Hart stuff. Um, and I'll let you kick this off since this was your brainchild to uh, to kind of look back at essentially the month of March, uh, 97, when uh, Bret culminated this heel turn that had been sprinkling a little bit uh, here and there since all the way back uh, at Survivor Series 96. And, you know, maybe the fans were kind of waning on him a little, and this finally culminated. Uh, so I'll let you kind of kick off some of your notes. You give three uh, Monday Night Raws and actually turned it into four. Uh, but uh, I'll let you kind of kick off some of the stuff, and I'll uh, I'll chime in. Okay. Um, well, we start off... It's uh, March 17th, 1997. Uh, Monday Night Raw is the setting, you know. Mm. We've got uh, Brett and Sid in a, a steel cage match for the title. Title on the line. This is the Monday before Mania. So, you know, it, it's kind of cool they're doing that because Mania's already set up. Yep. But if, you know, Sid wins, him and Taker get the title match. Brett wins, him and Austin get the title match. You know, makes tensions a little high between everybody. Um, uh, which actually feeds into the cage match itself. Austin, in a weird twist, is rooting for Brett to win because he wants the title Which was smart. Uh, Like, watching that match, I'm like, this is completely logical. (laughs) True, true. Even even though it was odd seeing him and Brett kind of working together against him. And then, of course, Taker comes down. He wants Sid to keep the belt. So, I mean, the match itself was interesting because of the, like, the both guys trying to help the other ones win. Um... But the match itself isn't really the story here. Uh, the story comes after the match. Uh, of course, Brett loses the cage match. Taker slams the door shut, knocking Brett back. Sid wins the match, keeps the belt, and sets up Mania. Uh, I believe they go to commercial break here and come back, and we're left with Brett and Vince in the ring. Uh, Brett asking, or Vince rather, asking Brett that uh, uh, about him being extremely frustrated about the situation and. Then Brett unloads on uh, We get a side of Brett that I don't think we've seen before. No, it, uh, and it, it was some pretty coarse language. Still some pretty coarse language for 22 years later. I think on Richard, Richard, Pritchard's podcast, <laughs> I'm thinking, if I remember correctly, he, he talked about it on there and he said they got clearance from USA. Uh even though the comments came off like a shoot, uh, they did get clearance from USA um, or, or something to that effect. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it, it came off like a lot of the stuff that Brett did. It came off as legit, came off as real. Uh, still to this day, I mean, I, I remembered it vividly, but I mean, it just, even watching it back, I was, I was just, you know, wow. I, I don't know. It just, it came off as 
legit. Definitely, definitely. Um, I remember it happening the first, the original, <laughs> and um, I mean, I was shocked then. Just you know, again, this was a side of Brett we hadn't seen, and uh, of course, back then, you know, definitely, I, I thought somewhat it's a shoot, maybe a shoot, a work shoot or something, <laughs> because I mean. Brett had, had that, like, he'd almost quit earlier in the year, which I'm sure that was worked, but I don't know. It, it They about got me on this one. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know. I, the way Brett did it, of course, with the language and pushing Vince down made it believable. Something I else I really noticed about this is is the volume in Brett's voice. Brett, was, Brett wasn't really a, a yelling type yeah. guy. You know, you had wrestlers. I mean, back then, wrestlers yelled when they cut promos. Brett didn't do that. But in this one, he was, you know, so it, it, that added to the realism for me. You know, it was, you know, something's going on here, you know. And uh, I guess this could be another one of those moments where, you know, maybe this is one of the first moments of the Attitude Era. I, I could certainly see that. Uh, on the network, I think it has 97 labeled as the Attitude Era. Because um, if, if you'll notice, I, I'm not sure how you watch your network, but I, I'd use the app on my phone and then I Chromecast it to the TV while looking through uh, on the, the phone app anyways it's got uh, the Raws from like 93 to 96 as the old school Monday Night Raw logo then from like 97 to I think about 2000 uh, Raw Attitude Era and then it's got the respective logos as they've changed over time uh, coordinating with their years. So, okay. something while I was doing the research and watching this stuff back, I was like, oh, I've never noticed that. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I don't think, I'm, I'm usually on either the PS4 or the Yoku, and I, I've not noticed that on either of those. Um, but, but I may could have just overlooked that. That is pretty um, cool. I always count 97 as part of attitude, oh, yeah. anyways. Yeah. It's, it's the building of the attitude. And, uh, a few little things I noticed on that on the March 17th show Sean comes back uh, cuts an interesting promo kind of makes his appearance I think this was the first time he came back since he lost his smile um, I believe so and uh, he came he came out at the top of the ramp during the whole melee uh, that you just spoke of with Brett cutting that promo and then it descended into a brawl so Sean has inserted himself back in the scene. And as we all know, later on in the year, that plays a tremendous role with him and Bret Hart. So it's tremendous storytelling because from about this time through August, September, we've got Bret, Taker, Sean, even Austin, all intertwined in various matches and angles. So... Really, really cool stuff there uh, with how they slowly start to tell that story. Um, now, the next week, March 24th, uh, let's touch on what happened there. Okay. Now, of course, we, we leave the 17th and go into May. And we, we, we reviewed it last episode. Yeah. Uh, the great Brett Austin... Uh, Mania match that I mean that that's the real heel turn but this is the I don't know th- this kind of helps the story along for those who hadn't seen them um, going to March 24th uh, the Brett I guess the anti-America promo 
tremendous. I forgot how good, how good this promo was. Oh, I loved it. Loved it. Brett doing some great storytelling of his of uh, pretty much the past year. Yep. Uh, talking about his return. Well, I think he went back and touched on Mania when Sean and him had the Ironman match, and then uh, went on and told about his return and everything. And and here's the thing. Uh, two things that stood out to me about this promo. A lot of people point back to the, uh, I don't remember the exact date, but it was during 97. If I was going to give the United States an enema, I'd do it right here in Pittsburgh, I think it was. That promo by Brett. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was after the Hart Foundation was fully formed. Uh, a lot of people point to that promo, but this one was pretty darn good and I, I think goes a little overlooked and, and he wasn't he yeah. wasn't wrong is the thing <laughs> it's always good when a heel speaks the truth because it makes you hate him even more and Brett wasn't <laughs> wrong so that's True. like ah oh, you're I hate you you're kind of right I hate <laughs> you so and, and your best your best villains are the ones that you know think they're just yep. to think think they're doing the right thing and it just makes makes it even better like you said because they think they're justified but they're kind of going against you so it makes you hate them even more so and strong heels help create strong heroes so. yep precisely which which i think is what brett did with austin oh most definitely uh so uh continue on uh, with uh, the promo there and what happened afterwards so well I thought it was cool because the um, I mean the, he was attempting this he's gonna be healed in the US and a, a face everywhere else um, I'm I'm sure at some point something similar might have been done before but this is the first for me you know oh certainly. so that I mean that was that was cool that was cutting edge at the time and, and honestly it's not really been done in that aspect of being a um, face on US soul and a heel oh no I'm sorry I got that backwards heel on US soul and face everywhere else I I don't know if it's been done since but well, it uh, and it was done beautifully um it really was, and I think uh, I'm not sure if it could be done as effectively today. Uh, that that was, I think, a lot of that was a right right place. I, I think a lot of it was a right place, right time. So true, true. And of course, uh, uh, <clears throat> go, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. Oh. Uh, then. Uh, after Brett cuts the promo, he uh, establishes, you know, he's going to be healed now. Shawn uh, Michaels makes his appearance. And uh, I really like this because, I mean, they had really been at each other. I mean, they, you know, there was uh, the whole animosity anyways, but they had really been at each other since Brett come back at Survivor Series. Um, I think at the December pay-per-view, Shawn was on commentary and um, kind of he got involved. Uh, I think it was Brett and Sid wrestling. Sean got involved in it. Uh, Brett, and, Brett and him had been at each other, even on the pre-show, kind of uh, verbal lashing at each other. 
Um, so it leads into this. We, we really wanted to see him face to face. We really wanted to see him just vent. And uh, Sean comes out. We get some back and forth. Brett's already fuming. So, you know, it probably wasn't a good idea for Sean to come out there because, you know, Brett lets him have it. Yeah, and uh, I always love the figure four around the ring post. Yes, yes. That uh, was probably one of the safest moves, but looked absolutely vicious. Um, now, was this the first time we saw it? Uh, one it? of the first times. Did he use I'm, it? Maybe? He may have used it in Mania. I'm thinking he used it in the buildup with Austin. But it, it was still pretty new at this point. Okay, that, that's what I was thinking while watching it, that this was around one of the first chances we got to see that. Um, a couple things I want to touch on, uh, kind of not having to do with Brett, and then we'll move on to the March 31st. They were really trying to compete with WCW with some of these bootleg luchadors. <laughs> Like, I'm just going to be blunt. Uh, El Mosco and this supernova guy. I mean, I'm not saying these guys were bad wrestlers. I'm, I'm not. They were they were good. I mean, but I'm just, that's what one thing that stood out to me is like, they were really, and I think they had some sort of deal with AAA, uh, the, the Mexican uh, wrestling promotion at the time. But I don't know. It seemed like a desperation grab to compete with uh, WCW at the time because, as we all know, Mysterio, Psychosis, La Parca, they they had luchadors that were tearing it up. So, yeah, I I, I think you're out right on the AAA thing. I think they actually had some AAA guys in the Rumble that year, and uh, then I believe they I might be wrong on the list, but was it WWE Super Astros or something like that was the show for the uh, Mexican audience? I think so. S- something along those lines. Something uh, like that, yeah. Um, so, the next week on the March 31st edition, we see the, essentially, the reformation or the start of the reformation of the Heart Foundation and, um, I'll let you kind of take over here with uh, the the Davy Boy and uh, Owen match and how how Brett brings the family together. All right, I, I, this has been building for a little while too. I don't remember when the uh, tension started between Owen and Bulldog. I know um, at least into the February pay per view, maybe in the end of the Rumble. There was uh, little signs that they were going to do something between the two of them. Um, I remember uh, specifically, the, I think it's the February pay-per-view, where they had a tag match with somebody, and uh, tension was building, and they kind of got into, into it after the match. And they're in there fussing with each other, and Owen's got a slammy sitting in the ring, and the slammy just kind of falls over. And uh, one of the commentators says, you know, could this be an omen of things to come between the two? So, um, But it leads into uh, they they had the European title match earlier in the month and went into Mania and I, I think that's why they had um, 
them against Vader and Mankind because Bulldog was kind of coming off as the face, you know. Yeah. And they got through that. They went into actually the, the 20, March 24th show. They had a match with the Headbangers because the Headbangers won the uh, four-way tag match at Mania. And it just kind of ended in a Owen Bulldog brawl where Owen challenged Bulldog for the belt for this week. Um, the, the match itself gets going. Both, both guys are great, so, you know, it's, it's some pretty good action. The ref gets knocked out, and Owen goes in to bring a chair in to use on Bulldog. And that's when we see Brett show up, which I didn't see this coming. Well, I, originally, when I watched this, you know, I didn't see this coming because, you know, Brett was feuding with both of them. Granted, he had just turned heel, so now he was on the same side as them, but, you know, I, I didn't see this coming at all. And uh, Brett comes out, uh, gets the chair away from Owen, and uh, starts to make his plea, you know, hey, you know, we shouldn't be fighting. They've, they've turned us against each other. You know, we're family. We should be together. And I, I thought it was a pretty good promo, too. I, I don't I don't quite like it as much as the anti-American promo from the week before. Mm-hmm. But I do think it was a pretty good promo. Yeah. Um, and by the way, the Davy Boy Owen match from the March 3rd episode yowie wowie to steal Bray's line. I forgot how darn good that match was um, oh yeah that that was a great one and yeah that that we'll get back to Brett in just a quick second but that was an odd episode I've heard Pritchard talk about it uh, there was some logistical issues and production issues and we had the honky tonk man on commentary just randomly <laughs> Like, I'm not sure fully why, uh, but uh, yeah, the the promo by Brett um, to to reunite the Heart Foundation essentially was uh, I'm like you, it wasn't quite as good as the the full heel turn promo from the week prior, but yet again, yet again, he wasn't wrong. He was being a family man. He was. You know, he, he was right that we need to come together and it, it was it was really well done. Um I actually I I've not got around to it yet, but I'm planning on watching the Canadian Stampede match uh from later on in ninety seven because I think you know Watching these Raws, it's it's interesting how the Legion of Doom kind of get intertwined. Obviously, Austin was intertwined. Um, who was on that team? It was Legion of Doom, Austin, Ahmed Johnson, and Goldust. Is that correct? I think uh, instead of Ahmed, I think it was Shamrock. Shamrock. Okay. Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, he was. He already had tension with uh, with Brett. So it's interesting how. Everything builds up to that that pay-per-view, and everyone had a reason to be ticked off at Brett or the Hart Foundation. And, oh, wow, was that... <laughs> I, I've, not, I've not went back and rewatched it, but I do remember the crowd was just unbelievably hot. Uh, and, and like you said, it's it had never really been done where, you know, he was a Canadian hero and just got the... He was Hulk Hogan in Canada... And 
you know, such a heel essentially in, in the U S and it was just so beautifully done. Hulk Hogan in Canada and Hollywood Hogan in the U S there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and, and it was, it was really beautifully done. Um, it was. So any, uh, closing thoughts on, uh, Brett's heel turn here and, and maybe the 97 run overall. Well, um, the promo here where they, he brings the family back together, there's two things that really make this promo to me. Um, one is Brett's face. Did you, when they hug? Yes. Did you, did you see Brett's face? The just, just pure disdain for the crowd. Oh yeah. And that, that was one of those, it's just a little touch, yep. but I think it helps set the mood. You know, <laughs> he's like, I've got them back with me, you know, I, I don't know. It's it just that that little touch to it. And we spoke last week about uh, Brett would do little stuff like the ring bell and stuff like that. Yep. That, uh, you know, he, he would throw in there that it just told the story that much better. And that was one of them. Um, the other thing, the other thing, okay. Now, I know about the time they hugged, uh, Owen was crying, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and I know, but it was kind of the, you know, <clears throat> squinty-eyed crying, you know, it was probably a little put on and stuff. But a little bit earlier in the promo, either Owen really cried or a bead of sweat fell down his face just perfectly <laughs> when while Brett was talking about the, the teacher at school and getting Owen into the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. There was, a, there was a drop. It was either a tear or sweat, one, but it, it just happened perfectly to where it looked like he was really crying. And I'm, I'm going to go crying just because it makes that promo that much better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, like I've said before on here, Brett is in my top three. I had no issue at all going back and watching this stuff. Uh, depending on my mood, some days he could be number one. He He's probably, he's definitely in my top three. Andre got me into it, as I said, and, and I have a just a huge soft spot for Andre. But Brett, he, he might be 1B for overall work. Um, and the 97 run, man, like everything – from, I mean, January all the way to Survivor Series was just just beautiful. Um, and, and I want to give a lot of that credit to Brett because, as you just said, you know, the little look he gives the audience. There's just a lot of stuff in there throughout the run that was just pure Brett, knowing how to tell, uh, tell a story. Exactly, exactly. 97 was such uh, a good year anyways, but he, he played such a big role of it being a good year, in my opinion. Oh, certainly. Um, one more quick thing uh, is I was just looking down through my notes. I forgot how edgy we were talking about edgy stuff uh, that they're going to start trying to do in 2019. Some of the stuff with Ahmed Johnson in the nation some of those comments, like, uh, well, I'm not going to fully repeat them here. They, they were <laughs> racy, uh, ra- borderline almost racist and just like undertones and things like that. Did I'm like, wow, you could not do that today. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, 
I'm, I'm not going to say I liked it. I'm not going to say I hated it. I've just did not remember all that. I'm just like, wow, this has not aged well. Um, <laughs> uh, anyhow, um, we said we said we would loop uh, back around to the current product, and uh, we're going to do just that. It broke, uh, I think, a week ago, last Thursday or Friday, that uh, Vince and, and Triple H have some partners now that's uh, pot- potentially going to try to help them save the day. Uh, Paul Heyman is essentially going to be the executive producer of Raw. Eric Bischoff is going to be the executive producer of SmackDown. A lot of people have mixed feelings about both of these guys and what it ultimately means. I know you and I have text about it. Um, what uh, what are your thoughts on this pretty huge deal? Um, definitely excited about it. Uh, uh, of course, here we try to look at the positive things, and this I see a lot of positive coming out of this. Uh, I know a lot of a lot of the reaction I've read online is you know people saying, well, they've still got to answer to Vince, you know, and that's yeah. a big negative tone with that. And uh, I see that as maybe a good thing and a bad thing. Um, it, as long as they let them. If they let them come up with the ideas and Vince just is there to kind of rein them in a little bit, yeah, you know, then I, th- I, I say it is a good thing. Um, I mean, it is his show, so you know, and and you know, I, I was there during the uh, ECW run, WCW run during that time period, and and there was some stuff on there that you know, maybe it's a good thing Vince can kind of tweak a little of it for sure. Um, and, and of course, that's not saying that Vince's show didn't have stuff too that could have been tweaked, you know, could have been took off the off the uh, agenda or whatever. But uh, I I see it as a positive. Um, I mean, both guys are great minds for the business. Um, I think they've been there's been multiple times they've tried to get Heyman as like uh, one of the top creative guys, and he kind of backed out of it. But uh, to to get him actually into it, I'm I'm excited. I've always been a Heyman fan from his uh, ECW days to his um, uh, when he when he was doing the Paul Heyman Smackdown stuff and of course I know he did the WCW stuff before but I kind of jumped in with him around the ECW time period so yeah and uh, Bischoff I mean dude pretty much took over Monday nights for a while you know <laughs> uh, and, and there's where I'm going to touch on because I I'll go ahead and say it. I'm an Eric Bischoff mark. Uh, a, a lot of people don't like the guy. Justifiably so. I mean, I'm not going to say he's perfect, but his whole thing of storytelling, uh, let's see if I can remember this off the top of my head. It's it's Sarsa. Story, action, something, suspense. Okay, I can't remember it, but he's got a formula. <laughs> <laughs> He's meant, I, he mentioned it in his book, um, mentions it on his podcast, that storytelling, you know, it's a three-act play, and a lot of people want to give him flack because he, you know, gave everybody guaranteed contracts and kind of 
they want to act like he really didn't do anything or he had like a year and a half run and then things, you know, went to crap. But I'm excited for him just as much, if not more than I am Heyman, because of the pure storytelling aspect and people having things to do. I, I really think, and plus, as I texted you the other day, he's used to talking to executives at a television networks. They're putting him on SmackDown. I think he can wine and dine with the TV execs. And, you know, that I think that'll be a good spot for him. Supposedly, this past Monday, Heyman's fingerprints were all over Raw. Uh, and he sat at Gorilla with uh, Vince. So take that no. for what it's worth. I don't know if you want to call that the first official episode of Heyman's era. I've heard Bischoff won't start until after Extreme Rules. So we probably won't start seeing heavy influence there. Uh, I'm, I'm like yourself. I'm, I'm tremendously excited. I think, um, and I'm going to say it, like the, the edginess, the them hiring Bischoff and Heyman, it, this has got to be a direct result of uh, AEW. Uh, got to be. But, and and for that, I applaud it. Bring, I'm going to support AEW that much more if it makes WWE get their heads out of their butts. <laughs> so I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, I, I definitely think they have the talent pool to with those two minds for the business to, to really tell some great stories and put on a, some tremendous shows. Um, and I heard somebody say, well, where does this leave Triple H? You know, you've got to be ticked off if you're Triple H. Honestly, I think Triple H is in a good spot right now. He's running NXT. He's running the developmental system. He's still learning that role. I'm not sure if, as well as NXT is, you know, when he's at ever, he's at ever Raw and SmackDown or most ever Raw and SmackDown. So it's not like he's entirely out of the loop. But I heard somebody mention that, and I'm just like, you know, let's let's pump the brakes on Triple H. He'll have his day when it comes, and, and that'll be great. But let's see, let's see what two guys who are experienced with this type of role can do um well, even with that i mean i'm sure sure he's gonna have input to, if, oh, yeah. you know if he sees something that he can can throw something in and, and improve on or something I'm, I'm sure they'll listen to hunter's thoughts on it too so he's still there he's he's still part of it and the thing is to before that this goes back to you know what i was saying earlier sometimes we need to let things build and and not get too impatient. Uh, after Extreme Rules to SummerSlam, I'm excited for SummerSlam because I really think it's going to have some Bischoff and Heyman fingerprints on it. I'm interested. To see, it's going to be a huge show. Let's see. That, that's going to be fun. But we don't need to judge this off of, you know, from Extreme Rules to SummerSlam. We need to give this to... I would almost venture to say after Mania to kind of yeah. sit back and say, 
okay, these these guys are making some big changes, or yeah, there's there's nothing really changing here. Sure. Uh, well, I'm sure there's there's probably some story arcs and stuff like that that they've already got in place or certain stuff that they want to get done. So it'll take a little while before they they fully take the reins and everything. And yeah, Mania sounds like a good. Surely by then they'll be in their positions pretty well. And yeah, and and from SummerSlam essentially to Mania, I think will be a good barometer, a decent barometer to see what Bischoff and Heyman are going to do. They'll, they'll have been on Fox TV for a good four to six months by that point. I think let's sit back, enjoy this ride from SummerSlam to Mania, and then I'm good Lord willing we'll still be doing this podcast by then. We can we can uh, judge it for ourselves by you know at that time. But I, I think we don't need to have a re- knee jerk reaction. The, the fans online, you know, if there's a bad week of Raw or a bad week of SmackDown, well, this was a terrible idea. No, let's let's give these guys time. You know, that's... Uh, so... True. And, go, and I think we've touched before on... Uh, as far as that goes, I mean... I don't know if we, we said it on the podcast or if maybe we texted it back and forth or whatever, but one, one thing is not every segment is meant for every fan, you know? So I think if, you know, if they're going to judge it in the sense like that, you know, you got to look at it. It's, it's, maybe that segment wasn't going to connect with you in the first place. Right. Go, you know, give it a second, check out the next thing or give it, give it to the next week. You know, not everything's going to hit perfectly with each fan. And, uh, and, and they cover so many markets too. I mean, you got, of course you mentioned the, um, they're going edgier because of the, the teen year demographic, the, was it 18 through something and uh of course they've got that demographic but i mean it's a product for kids too you know it's pg like like we we talked about earlier about the you know the hogan area was pg and it pulled in a lot of us (laughs) i don't want to see them like i said earlier i don't want to see them go full-blown attitude era if they want to go uh tv pg uh, i think it's dlv for uh, language and violence, and I'm not sure what the D stands for, but you know, the, if they want to do something like that, and that would allow that, because I think they're just TVPG V now or something like that, maybe not even the V, but um, if they want to, you know, bump it up just slightly, yeah, or every now and again we could have someone flipping somebody off, or we could have. Something like what we saw Monday night, uh, you know. I mean, I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, yeah, just just having the option to go there is, in my opinion, is, is good. Um, you don't want to get well. It, it, then it doesn't seem special anymore, you know. So, I, I'm, I agree with you. If if they want to go that level, I'm fine with that. Um, and you kind of picked out the Bret Hart stuff for a classic content to cover. So given this big news, I'm going to throw two things at you and it's not really going to be so much stuff that some stuff we can find on the network and some stuff we're going to have to go another route, mainly possibly YouTube. Two things I want to cover given Heyman's and Bischoff's new positions. We're not going to go the typical route of covering 
Nitro and ECW. What I'd like to do is look at Heyman's era with SmackDown, which I think is uh, known as the SmackDown Six. Uh, I think it was Angle, Eddie, Benoit, Edge, and I'm missing two more. It was it was built around six guys, and I think it was like 2002 to 2003. He was the lead writer. I would like to research that, talk about that era. And here's a real curveball, um, because I actually look back at this fondly. Uh, we were mentioning TNA earlier. I would like to take a look back at the Aces and Eights story. Ah. Um, because recently on his podcast, Bishop said that was basically all his brainchild. So, I and from what I remember, that actually had fairly consistent storytelling. Uh, and I think you can find a recap on YouTube that, that chronicles cradle to grave of that entire storyline. Um, maybe it's like 15 to 20 minutes, uh, something like that. But I'd like to kind of look back at, at those two things. And maybe we could read the tea leaves to figure out what type of uh, impact those two gentlemen are going to have going forward into this hopeful new wrestling boom we might be seeing. Uh, So I know you've got some, uh, some it happened on this date in history or important wrestling Dates given it's uh, July 4th. Ah, yes, yes. <coughs> let's see, what do we got going on here? Um, let's see, well, for our first one, we're gonna go all the way back to 1993. <laughs> I think you know where this is going. Um, on the uh, the USS Intrepid, the Body Slam Challenge, a lot of people tried. But everybody failed except for Lex Luger. Lex Luger. This was this was actually it was almost hokey and corny, but at the same time, I thought it was really well done. <laughs> like it's it's kind of one of those. It kind of goes both both ways. Uh, I I remember it to this day. It, it was kind of cool because Luger had been doing the uh, narcissist gimmick. Yep. Up until this point, and. And it's like, they were like, all right, we're going with Luger. And they just threw everything behind him. <laughs> Boy, did they ever. Uh, and apparently it was, um, I, I, I hate to keep referencing this, but for one, it's tremendous. And uh, two, it's got a lot of good information. But on Pritchard's podcast, uh, there's an episode on Luger. And they said it was like unbearably hot on that uh, USS Intrepid. And yeah. Uh, if you, if you get a chance, I would recommend listening to that episode because he talks about how they threw everything behind him and he was just not very good uh, when, when they would go along on the bus, uh, the Lex Express, and uh, supposed to talk to all these, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands, and all that kind of stuff. He just really wasn't that guy for it. Like they thought he would be. I, I remember being so disappointed as a kid. Like, not seeing the Lex Express. They're supposed to be traveling everywhere, and I know I didn't see it. Of course, you know, I, I probably should have thought, you know, hey, it ain't going to come to Lafayette, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I 
probably got to go to Nashville if I want to even, th- but you know, at the time, yeah. little kid brain, you know, I was like, well, when's it coming here? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, that's great. That's great. I've checked that podcast out though. I, I don't, uh, I didn't really hate Luger during that time period. Um, I was a big Brett guy at that time though. So, you know. Oh yeah, Luger wasn't Luger wasn't Brett, so I, I just I didn't really fully get behind him. But but uh, I kind of sad that they didn't do much more with him though. Um, he went into the uh, SummerSlam match with Yoko. They decided not to pull the trigger on him and uh, not let him win the belt. And I don't know, he just kind of floated. Yeah. After that, it's like they didn't really know what to do with him after that. It was. I tell you when I tell you when I was a big Luger fan though, when they stuck him with Bulldog. As the Allied Powers, I'd love both of them. That was a good pairing, in my opinion. Yep. I, I would agree. Uh, I, I liked, uh, going back to our favorite year, I thought uh, his run in 97, uh, I think he won the world title that year in uh, WCW. Uh, he, he had a good year that year. Um, yeah, I remember the pop from, uh, of course, I'm, I guess because he was beating Hogan. But uh, uh, pretty pretty big pop around that time of him getting the title. Yeah, he was uh, certainly certainly over. Um, got anything else from uh, this date in history? Ah, uh, well, we'll move on down the road a little bit to uh, July fourth, two thousand two. It was a SmackDown, and uh, we saw uh, Edge teaming with his childhood hero Hulk Hogan, winning the uh, tag titles from Billy and Chuck. Nice moment there. That actually may have fell within Heyman's run, too. Uh, may have, because, yeah. So that might be a little sneak peek. of. <laughs> um, apparently, the main event of that show was Angle and Taker in an undisputed title match. I don't have any notes on that. Um, I remember the tag match, but I don't remember the main event, so I'm actually going to probably go back and watch that one. I'm sure it would be pretty good, both Angle and Taker. Um I, I do. I, I did look up something on it, and uh, at the end of it, they said that uh, there was a kind of a messed up finish. Um, not not messed up as in they they botched it, but like it was kind of a screwy finish. Where um, uh, what was going on? Wish I'd looked actually watched the match. It, it was something to where Angle had him in the ankle lock, and I don't know if the time limit expired or they did something. And apparently, Taker was tapping. Huh. So I definitely want to go back and watch this. Like it didn't count as a tap because like whatever else was going on ended up causing the match to end or whatever. Right. But like Angle had really been working on his leg or something earlier in the match and and he was making the motion where he was tapping. But uh, of course it doesn't officially count. But I'd like to go back and look at that and you know be like wow you know I I don't think I ever remember Taker you know tapping. So that's that's kind of cool. For sure. For and sure. Uh, let's see, I got one more date. Um, we fast forward to July 4th of 2005. Uh, two big things happened this night. Uh, we had Matt Hardy returning and attacking Edge in the backstage area and out in the arena. This was during the uh, a- well, this was actually Matt's first appearance back after the uh, Edge Lita Matt situation unfolded. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that happening, and uh, I mean, I- surely it couldn't have been real, but. Uh, they almost got me on that one too because uh, you know he, he got him backstage he jumped the guard I'm pretty sure he mumbled something about ROH on his, as the police were taking him out <laughs> it, it seemed kind of you know they did a good job of uh, uh, doing that one 
And, um, and of course, they got some good matches out of that as well. And uh, was it SummerSlam and Unforgiven, I think, had those two on? And uh, they had uh, the Raw Homecoming that year as well, because I think that October was when they went back to USA. And I think they had a pretty pretty good I'm not sure if it was a ladder match or something but I remember a loser leaves raw match but it, it, it was like a hardcore type match and uh, that match was really good too I, I believe it was a ladder match now that you mentioned that I'd forgot about that one yep wow there's so much stuff to go back and watch I <laughs> want <laughs> oh, our, our other occurrence for this this night um I, I don't remember who was in the main event but it was a uh, Sean and Hogan was taking on somebody. Yeah. I think it might have been Sean Hogan and Cena taking on um, Christian, Tomko, and Edge, maybe? Hmm. That sounds... Might have to might have to do some fact-checking on that one. Um, but the... And, and th- this is kind of cool, because I didn't realize this happened on July 4th. And, and it being Hogan, you know? But uh, at the end of the match, you know, I guess Cena went on up the ramp, and it was Sean and Hogan celebrating... And Hogan turns around right into some sweet chin music. Yeah. Sean turning heel on Hogan. And like I said, July 4th, you know, Hogan, Real American. It, you know, good timing. Good timing. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, that's a pretty good uh, heel run. little mini heel run by Sean. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that was uh, that's a decent decent SummerSlam match and a lot of people look back at it for uh, Sean overselling but uh, (laughs) I I enjoyed it it was good build pretty good match so oh do you you know the story on the overselling um possibly but but go on I I could be wrong on this I think it's um there were supposed to be multiple matches between the two Mm -hmm. and uh of course, Hogan, Hogan got slated to win the first one, and then pretty much uh, before they went out, went out and did the match, he like was he said that uh, you know this is all we're going to do. We're gonna, I'm just going to do this one. So Sean being a little irritated that uh, they weren't going to go on and tell the story, and I guess he wasn't going to get his win back too, um, decided well you know I'm going to oversell this match and you know make Hogan Hogan and I guess kind of Sean himself at the same time look kind of goofy. Yeah. But, from what I've heard, that that's the story behind it. I've, I might be uh, leaving something out there. I've I've heard uh, similar, and, and I'm not sure. Without getting too far out into the weeds, I'm not sure who looks more petty there, Hogan or Sean. So, um, I, I love the comical uh, sell of the big boot at the very end, though. Oh yeah, Sean like bounces up, down, up, down, turns around, flips up. Yeah, kind of crazy. Um, so I think, I think that covers just about everything. Uh, you got anything else you want to add this week? I think that's about it. I think we've touched on just about everything. Um, I, I don't think we mentioned Taker coming back. Well, yeah, I, that, that's, that's kind of crazy. Uh, I'm interested to see where that goes. Supposedly he wanted to work with Drew. Uh, that excites me. That's, uh, <laughs> If he if he wants to put Drew over, maybe that could lead to a SummerSlam match. Maybe Ooh. I don't know. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, some good stuff over the past couple weeks, and uh, hopefully we'll see 
what's to come with Bischoff and Heyman. We'll look back at uh, SmackDown uh, when Heyman had control and the Aces and Eight storyline. And I guess that's it for this week, man. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, I appreciate everyone listening and uh, catch you next time. Keep it positive, guys.